Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for March 31st of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Wallace from HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, we will celebrate quite a milestone for one of the NHL's best players of all time. Alex Ovechkin hit goal number 50 last night. Uh, Not many people that have played in this league have done it as often as him. In fact, there are only two that have done it more, and we'll get into the differences between the three of those players. Uh, We will also talk about a potential big injury for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, They lost a defenseman last night uh, against the Capitals, and it was not the defenseman they wanted to lose. If you could pick one to not lose, it was that one. And uh, we will uh, cover off on the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, status right now, which for the most part, pretty good, I I have to say. Albeit they have a very big game that is... uh, by the time you probably listen to this podcast, uh, will be over with. But they are playing the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, which um, a win by the Penguins would pretty much lock them into uh, with a first-round matchup with the Islanders, which personally I think would be the the top opponent that any of the other teams in the, in the East would want to play. Um, and a loss ties Carolina with Pittsburgh, and they have more of the ROW um, wins in the uh, standings. So that would push Penguins to a Capitals first-round matchup. Less than ideal. So um, yeah. how, we'll talk about how the Penguins can uh, – what things they can do to, you know, get into that good spot with the Islanders. Um, you wanted to lead off with Alex. So he's pretty he's pretty amazing. Like when you think about it, how he keeps doing it over and over and over at the rate that he does it, considering how old he gets in a league that's much better at stopping pucks than it ever has been every year. It, it's just mind bending, really. Um, you know, he had the luxury of coming out of the lockout where you know penalties weren't called as much and. Offense was 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 driving the the league, but that's not the case anymore. And he's doing it at the wrong end of the aging curve. It's it's quite incredible, really. And whatever benefit he got from the 0506 season was ripped away by multiple lockouts, allowing him to not play at all. And in that at that point in his career, when you know, right in the middle of his scoring prime, oh, it's just it's just amazing that. You know what he's going to do. You know what the Capitals are going to do. Yet he can still do it. Like it's not like it's it's a magic formula or anything that they they do. He doesn't have any tricks really up his sleeve. He just launches a rifle and it just blows by the the keeper. It's it's incredible. Now, On the power play. I the 2012-13 season was abbreviated, so it would have been a hell of an achievement for him to get 50 goals in 48. Was it 48 games? Something yeah, like that. Yep. Um, he did win the MVP, and I do disagree with that. I still think Sid should have got it, just because Brooks Orpik shot a puck off his goddamn jaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, what did Sid have? He missed the last month and a half and lost the Art Ross by one point. Yeah, it was a, it was and, a and Lemieux-like thing. The first half of his lockout-shortened season was actually quite bad for his standards. But he closed strong, so of course the recency bias of it. I, 
I am a big believer that Sid got boned out of quite a quite a number of heart trophies, so I'm a little bit bitter about that. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that Ovechkin would have hit 50, and he would be tied with nine 50-goal years uh, with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy. It's pretty elite company. It is elite company, and I would say it's even more elite for Alex Ovechkin because the NHL did this weird thing where they transitioned into having goalies that could actually stop the puck for the whole entirety of <laughs> Alex Ovechkin's career, which probably made things a little bit tougher. And I do understand that stick technology has also grown, and, and Alex's shot, while the wood stick, it wouldn't be quite as violent, I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't have mopped up in the 80s with a wood stick absolutely you look at you just you know you go back and you watch old games with Lemieux in them and stuff like that and you just shake your head at how stupid he makes goaltenders look but I also look at them and go this isn't an equipment well it kind of is a little bit but you look at how small they are just the goalies are like five six and they suck so there's so much net to shoot at and their lateral movement was terrible and they yeah they just suck they're like the goalies out of like the old mega drive nhl games they're just terrible and it's just funny to watch it and you go yeah okay i can see how players got 100 goals in a year well near enough not quite that many you know what i mean like you can see how they can have a goal a game pace the absolute elite guys, because they were just terrible. And you put Ovechkin back in that era, stick or no stick, and he'd tear it up like that as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's really just him and Mario for my money for best goal scorer of all time, and Alex is on a trajectory to take that. Yeah. If he he hasn't already. The thing that's amazing about that, though, is that they do it in two very different ways. I mean, that's the thing that's wonderful about this sport. You can be very good at a particular thing, but do it completely differently to the next guy. Like, Lemieux is a a monster who had finesse. Ovechkin's just a monster. He can (laughs) finesse a little bit, but he doesn't very often. He just bullies his way through everything that he wants to do, which is absolutely amazing when you think about it. Well, Mario was a bully, too, in the sense that he bullied his way through clutching and grabbing like no other player ever had to deal with. Yeah, but he didn't run them over, though, and that's what the, I think the difference for me with Ovechkin is. He oh, just yeah. he just steamrolls you, and, and it's like you can't clutch and grab him because if you lie on the ice, you're out. The big difference and, uh, being what you're saying is Ovi being like 240 pounds near the league lead in some of those years for hits. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm not using as a statistic for uh, ranking how good a player is, but it just tells you that he's very physical, to your point. Um, yeah, and he barely misses any any games. He's been incredibly durable, which, you know, not for nothing, the opposite of what Mario was, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the way he plays, like... Could you just imagine what the media would be like if he wasn't Russian? Seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, it's the sort of the... You just sit there and go, he's been exemplary for the league. He's done pretty much everything the league wants. 
Well, he would have finally learned how to play hockey under Mike Babcock for Canada. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's just he's just he's just unreal, and it's it's one of those things where um, when he first came into the league, I wasn't a particularly big fan of him because I was a Penguins fan, and you know I was a child with that kind of attitude. But um, it didn't take long to warm to what he could do on the ice and. Um, the fact that he has some personality and is is able to show it off in the confines of a of a very conservative league. Yeah, and it's too bad because his flaming stick celebration was um, like there's probably more clever ideas, but the fact that he did it and then just got run over by the hockey men for it, uh, we yeah. could have gotten a lot more cool celebrations over the years. Um, but it got shot down, unfortunately. Uh, they couldn't let him have fun. If I was over, I'd be all over it now. I've won a cup. Screw you, hockey man. <laughs> you know, if you didn't do that stuff, you'd have 80 goals. <laughs> <laughs> now, is anybody else going to get to the 50? Um, do you think? I'd have to take a glance at the old... It's pretty It's pretty tight. Gosh. Like, Dreisaitl could... I'm going to the NHL's website. Yeah, well, that's where I am now. I mean, Dreisaitl and Tavares are the only two that could do it. Yeah. Tavares is three. Tavares, man. I got to tell you, this year has done nothing to shake me from my opinion that he wasted so much time in New York on such a pathetic franchise. Yeah, ignore where New York are, just regards to him personally. He's been amazing. Well, the Islanders this year, it's, it's the season they've had, pretty remarkable considering they lost their best player, um, PDO stuff aside. But the fact that he's sitting on, let's see, where is he? 45 goals, career high. I mean, he just needed, you know, some other some other good players to help him along. Uh, I think Tavares missed out on a ton of points and goals. Um, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's having a hell of a year. Yeah, in amongst the team that, I will say this though, controversy seems to follow him around. Different style. I mean, you go to Toronto, you're always going to run into controversy, aren't you? Yeah, Dreisaitl's there at 47. Boy, he's, what a pick. That was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they just need to get a team around those two. So you got McDavid at 114 points, Dreisaitl at 101. <laughs> They're nowhere close to the playoff picture. Well, it's the, this also shows you how good Patrick Kane is. 105 points for the year, and on a Chicago team that reasonably gutted and has managed to drag them along. I mean, it's not it's not Captain Canada. It's Patrick Kane. No, Kane's been their best player since the start of that era. Yeah. If he's... You know, I'll compliment his on-ice production. I was going to say, he's the, about where it ends of, for me. he's the antithesis of Ovechkin. Yeah. Complete um, reverse. I don't like complimenting him, but he's a great hockey player, and you're right, without him, Chicago, Jesus. 
but the, we got some 40 goal scorers that are interesting. Uh, Kane's teammate, Alex DeBrincat, uh, he, he was short, so of course he couldn't be an NHL player that was good. So he fell in the draft. Cam Atkinson also. That's the um, that's the impressive one to me. I've been on the Cam train for quite a while. When I did that Vegas expansion thing, I, I left Boone Jenner exposed, and I took some heat for that, and I was like, no way. Yeah. Cam Atkinson, I kept him over Booner, and you're fucking right I did. <laughs> 41 goals, 68 points, huge reason why Columbus um, still in the picture. Uh, still got Steven Stamkos pumping home goals. You know, it's easy to forget about him because the he's been he's had some really bad injuries. Yeah, yeah, and through the the key key window for him as well. It, it the sign of a, an elite an elite champion player is how long that window stays open for their their top quality stuff, and he's managed to drag his out, which is impressive. I mean, he's got ninety three points as well. Yeah. So he's not it, he's not just scoring goals. So. It's almost like Tampa Bay is amazing, and he's a part yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that Bra- kind of, Braden kind points of at 40. Nikita Kucherov's at 39. I assume he'll probably be able to in the next three or four so they, games hit 40. So they're going to have three 40-goal three scorers on the one roster. <laughs> yep. Three of them, and most of the league can't get any to 30. It's just... It's incredible. That's they're terrifying, headman or no headman. Um, but what is what is pretty cool is that towards the end of the year, I'd I'd suggest that Matthews, Pavelski, Skinner, and Gensel can get to forty. Yep, and there Gensel are a few others there to... that if they Skinner, I yeah. don't know. The Sabers are a complete disaster right now, and I, oh, I, they are. I and he's not even playing with Eichel. Okay, I may take They finally called up Victor Olofsson, which I think I mentioned in like December or January might be an okay idea. And he got an assist his first game and a goal his second game in the NHL. So, you know, when you trot out um, the crappy veterans the Sabres did all year, you know, got to make those prospects earn their time down in, down in Rochester. Just, well, it's interesting. The general manager that's on top of that, the general manager you and I rate, so it does show you how old habits die hard in a league across the league, no matter what team you're in. Yeah, I would have expected uh, somebody who built the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins system up pretty good and saw the success of those call-ups for the cup years. You would be a little bit more quick to pull the trigger on a team that really you got to be starting to win now and not the, the time to build is over. You, you got to go at it now. And... Particularly when they nosedived as bad as they did and in an in injection of youth into the lineup probably wouldn't have been a bad idea well, purely they... because they'd just be excited to be in the NHL. Like Olafson should have been up Lawrence pilot. They dicked around with all your, he's, he's back up now, but he was one of their better players. Housley just did a miserable job, and Botterill should have forced his hand more. But I think this is a case where the GM wanted to put his trust in a coach, and it was misguided. 
All right, let's just get rid of the coach and reset. Start again. So, um, like you said, they they can't afford to. They can't afford to wait and wait and wait on it. If they don't turn around now, they're gonna sort of lose that window where you you grow with the you grow with the superstars that you have. And the RFAs are getting a little more spicy these days with their contract demands and such. Uh, so if you piss Darlene off, um, yeah, that might that not be good. Yeah, that was just what I was thinking when you said that. I'm like, yeah, Darlene's not going to make that particularly easy either. And Eichel, I, I, he strikes me as a player that will, might put up with another year of this and then be like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, if there's no improvement, he's gone. Um, and then, of course, you got to convince Jeff Skinner to stay because that trade was great. Now you gotta, you know, make it not a rental. Yeah, and that's the the challenge when you're terrible, is to unrental yourself. And they keep saying that he wants to do it. You hear around the place that he's he's keen to do it, but then you go, eh, not sure because they can't agree on temp. Yeah, he's what twenty six. Just <laughs> just give him eight and a half and. Tell him to sign. <laughs> eight by eight and a half and just sit on Arkell's wing the rest of your career. Um, you, you <laughs> Very uh, roundabout way of getting back to Austin Matthews, who you mentioned. He's got 37 goals in 64 games, which is uh, pretty good. It's 50 goal pace. Um, he's got the lowest games played among... Well, him and Pasternak. He's got 36 and 62, so... Pretty he's been robbed. As well. He's been robbed. Well, he's that injury. Been a great year, but he's back. So that yeah. means the Bruins are definitely back. So, um, yeah. This was all started by, of course, acknowledging Alex Ovechkin's <laughs> yeah. greatness and the fact that he's sitting pretty as the only 50 goal scorer. 51. He actually got two last night. Yeah, I I kind of hope he's not the only one that gets there. Like, it would be great if Dreisaitl and Tavares in the, the last four games managed to score five goals or three goals or thereabouts. Which Tavares just had a four-goal game. Luckily, he's not Joe Thornton. He saved everybody a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, good point. Um, we were always so, safe yeah. with Thornton, though, because Thornton doesn't really ever get four shots on goal a game because he's busy passing the puck around. Yeah, let alone the goals. So it it is a little bit of a uh, a catch twenty two with that man. <laughs> so um, you you kind of referenced it. Hedman, Hedman left the the Capitals Tampa game last night in the first period and did not return. Now I didn't get to see any of that game. Do you know what happened? What it was? Because I did read that it was the end of the first period and that was it he was gonzo so i was i was in and out of that game i would stop when i saw like a capitals power play or something as you would and um so i didn't see it um oh helmet to headman's face this apparently would have uh, hopefully it's not a concussion all you can kind of hope for in that situation so yeah it's it's probably you're probably dealing with something like that 
unfortunately. Mm. But that's a huge, huge loss. But there is time. Um, I mean... Really? Four games left, a few weeks. I, I think he'll end up being okay. They've got, I don't they've got press... a week. Next Monday... And they can still win without him. Oh, of course they can. But he's really good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I suppose, look at it this way. I would suggest that they'd be able to beat Columbus and Montreal without Hedman reasonably easily. But Carolina might be a bit more of a challenge because of their forecheck. Because of, uh, yeah. Depending on the game today, it could be Pittsburgh. And and that makes it a little bit that harder. That would be a um, very small probability of that, even with the Carolina loss today, if it were to happen. Pittsburgh still has New York and Detroit twice. So the Rangers, not the Islanders. So... It would be Pittsburgh's own fault if they fell into that matchup. Yeah, they've got and no Columbus one else to would blame. still have to pick up points. Although Columbus is playing the Sabers tonight, so I thought Columbus was in trouble at one stage. There, it's like all the they new ones got in, and they and they couldn't get it together. And it looks as though they've sort of worked it out now. And you know, it's it's probably helped them that Montreal's not as deep as they could be as a team. Um, What's that yeah. I just saw? Max what, what? Domi, who that trade worked out quite well for Montreal. He's the first Canadians player with 70 points since um, Placanic. No. 70 in like seven or eight years ago. Wow. That's, they do it, that's, they do that's it by rough. committee there. Not really. What, what's their success been? <laughs> Well, I didn't say it was a good committee. Just that they do it by committee. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, but Domi, great great season for him. Um, I know Gail Chenyuk was uh, hurt a little bit in Arizona, but uh, that uh, Shaika, he's a, he's a strange customer. I think um, I, don't, I wouldn't lump him in with the um, analytics GMs, so to speak. Why is He's that? Go- he, he makes very goofy moves. Are you referencing the Schmaltz signing? Well, that one happened yesterday. That was a little bit... $5.8 million for that guy. I was looking up his numbers, and there's... I don't see nothing that stands out. It says that amount of money. And, and this year, he's like a 1.29 points per 60 player or something like that. Which, okay. And I was like, oh, well... <laughs> Now, forgive me, I didn't know a lot about Schmaltz. I'm like, oh, if he's a defenseman, duh. That makes... Oh, he's a fucking forward. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not makes... great. <laughs> I should think about that a little bit at times, doesn't it? And then you look at uh, some of the other uh, players he's jettisoned off, namely Dylan Strom, who's been great in Chicago and one of the few reasons Chicago uh, stayed afloat for as long as they did. It's an interestingly constructed roster that they've got over there in Phoenix. Like they've got and some I know pieces. there's probably money concerns, and a lot of the Schmaltz deal, the way it's structured, is um, it's actually backloaded money. So wow. they have no intent on keeping him <laughs> when that money starts. 
Yeah, somebody else is paying for that. And you overpay Schmaltz, who, you know, most players want um, their money up front. But when you're getting overpaid significantly, maybe sometimes you're just like, yep, that seems good. I'm good with that. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just trying to pull up his numbers. Uh, Yeah, 1.24 points per 60 this year in 40 games. Jesus. That blows. He got he's got almost a an almost a five million dollar pay rise at the age of twenty three. For... I mean he's heading towards prime years, but what good's a prime year if you're and if you combine the last two years he's at one point six six, so even Matt Cullen's at that one point seven. <laughs> it's a lot of money it's a lot of money for a young version of Matt Cullen production wise. Um so yeah, I thought that was Interesting, interesting signing. Um, and they have a game sec- tonight. He's the second highest paid forward. <laughs> Stepan first? Yeah, and then Galchenyuk. Or is that Hosa? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not on their retained salary still on list. the books? What about Pronger? No, it's just uh, uh, just Mike, um, sorry, just Ribeiro and uh, Mike Smith are still on the books. Wait, Mike Ribeiro's on their books? Yeah, two more years. <laughs> they are such a garbage franchise. They get you know, they gotta go to Houston. It's it's one thing to be poorly. It's one thing to have an owner that, like, you have no money, but it doesn't mean you make terrible decisions. Oh no, Hosa is still on their books. What am I thinking? Yeah, Hosa is still there on injured reserve for the next three years until twenty twenty one. Shit, they do. So, they work so hard to hit that cap floor. They they are a complete <sighs> joke. That's it. And again, they're, they're right on the edge of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Got to tip your hat to Rick Tockett, something that we haven't always done. No, correct. Um, they have a huge game tonight against Minnesota. Um, I think the loser is pretty much done. Although I think an Arizona victory would do a lot more for somebody catching Colorado than Minnesota would. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, one of rare times I think Bruce Boudreaux is not gonna not gonna get the playoffs. I think it helped that a team that's not particularly deep, like flush with high end talent, losing their best centerman. Like it's not a mixed up situation when Koivu goes down. That's the problem there. No, and he's not even like s- superb. No, but when he's one of your more elite guys on your particular roster, it's really hard. It's it's funny. You can lose you can lose somebody down your uh, down your depth chart, and it is next up. But when he's you know your number one center, it's not next up in that situation. Um, you, you just sit there and you know sort of shake your head at it, and you know what can you do? You well, Dumba tra- got hurt for a long time. That's not helpful. No, that's a very good point, actually. So, yeah. and, and and the new GM, a very weird transition year for that team, getting rid of Grandland, um, getting Fiala in return, uh, getting rid of Coyle, getting Donato, who's been great for them so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's general managers. I feel like they got a off season kind of like. 
there's a tier of teams like the the Wild and the Flyers that that got to figure it out on the go pretty quick. Which direction I want to head in? And funny enough, the the Flyers GM is it's the Wild's old GM, yeah, Chuck Fletcher. So, um, yeah. Well, that's that's our fifty goal scorer talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ, do we want your way around? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, time for the bread and butter of this podcast. Uh, the Penguins. They are in a good spot. They are third in the division with 95 points. Carolina is two points behind them, so very big game. If they can win and extend their lead over Carolina to four points with games against um, two against Detroit and then the final one against the Rangers, it looks pretty good to play the Islanders. And as I've said, that is where you want to be. I feel like it's fraught with danger to keep, to keep saying that as a Penguins fan. <laughs> you, you want to play the Islanders. You want to play the Islanders. Penguins well, what's out. the other option? No, no, no. You're not, you're not wrong. The point you make is exactly right. It, it, it's just one of those things where this isn't like at you. You, you hear it said all the time and, and then inevitably the team that got the matchup they quote-unquote wanted loses. It, it's just... In this sport well, in that's particular, hockey. Yeah. I know that's the, in this sport in particular. That's often what happens because it's hockey. It's just the dumbest sport for coin flips. And and yeah, those upsets do happen. But I'd, I, you got to take your chances with the Islanders. If I'm Pittsburgh and you want to get out of the first round, you don't want anybody else but Washington. It's pretty simple, really. Well, you don't want Tampa. So yeah. Like, it's 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 just I don't this 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 particular Pittsburgh roster has looked fantastic at times when everybody's healthy. Now, Latang's been out, Malcolm's been out. If they get those two guys back, I'd say they could beat anybody in a seven-game series. But if they have those two guys in and out of the lineup through the playoffs, I don't pick them against. Boston, Tampa, or Washington. And luckily, two of those teams are on the other side of the draw. But I just, I can't really see it happening. So you kind of want the Islanders first round just to give yourself a chance to get people healthy. And the Islanders have been riding hot goaltending. And, but you know what? Matt Murray's been pretty great too. Right on that level. And when I look up and down the forwards for Pittsburgh... Way better than the Islanders, even at the top end. Like, Matt yeah. Barzell is awesome. But you know what? So is Sidney Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like, Tom Kuhnhockel I saw was getting ice time yesterday. So bring, <laughs> bring on Tom Kuhnhockel. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, so, Malkin and Latang they skated again today. I have a feeling that tomorrow they will practice with the team in normal jerseys. I think Malkin will. And then maybe make their return to play uh, Tuesday, one of them. Probably Malkin. If they both it's been play, tough. If they both play 81 and 80, games 81 and games 80, 82, then... 
that's probably better. So, you know, Malcolm might play the last three, but as long as they both play the last two and, and just get a feel for the speed. And you know what? The playing teams that are both bad and out, so it'll be curious to see what the intensity is like in that game, in all those three games. Well, the difficult part about what the Malkin and Latang have, Pittsburgh had a pretty interesting Monday-Friday schedule this week, but the both players weren't ready to join it as full participants. And now they're kind of teetering on it, and the Penguins are playing every other day. Yeah. So they really only have every other day practice, and if you, if they're not going to be in the, non, or in the normal practice jersey tomorrow, that means... You know, the soonest is Thursday then, because then you got to go to the Wednesday practice. At least that's classically how this has worked with this team. Yeah, but they don't seem to do anything injury-wise normal anyway. Well, no, they they do they do the the practice thing normal. It's when they say they're day to day, and then you look at the calendar, and months have been <laughs> <laughs> seem to have evaporated from the season. Who do they uh, think they're fooling? Yeah, their day to day is a death kiss <laughs> yeah yeah you want to be listed as week to week and you'll be back in a week get listed day to day you're out for a month but um the, the penguins got some things going for them that they've struggled with for a little bit and that third line being a really nice thing i think that's what they wanted that third line to kind of do with broussard that never happened uh i i think bugstad being in the middle there I always thought that the the value was going to be as a center to make that third line go. Yeah. And Dominic Simone, great possession player. Um, one of those types that in a pinch can go up to the top six, but you really don't want him living there. But on a third line, he can play that Carl Hagelin speed role, except he actually has hands. This, this and, is and can a nice pass bonus. the puck a little bit. Um, Hornquist, <laughs> to his credit, well, this is kind of both good and bad. He's part of the 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 line keeping the puck in the other end. In fact, their Corsi four percentage in their hundred and twenty five ish minutes together is seventy five percent. So that's a shutdown line, in my opinion. Like yeah. if you're in the other team's end, like you're shutting them down. Well, you're um, not having to worry about it going in your net, are you? So that's been great and for for the Penguins to lean on. And I I gotta think that regression will hit Hornquist at some point in a good way. Something's got to go. If they're playing out of that end, the whole the whole thing with Hornquist has always been: can you get the puck into the other end so he can do the things he does best? Well, the puck kind of is down in the end, so at some point he's got he's gonna get some points. Something has to bounce in off his ass at some stage. He's had a few close calls with some shots um, recently, uh, but it's he's been on just he's been ice cold, which in this sport means the first round of the playoffs he'll be the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Whether that's on the power play or not, I, I don't know, but it just seems like that's the kind of thing that would happen. Yeah, because uh, because he is due. We we're hard on him, but when you're on a line that's seventy five percent shot attempts and your strength is shot attempts and kind of being in those areas like 
he's he's not being rewarded right now. No, but you are right in the sense that he's also not getting burned at the other end. I mean, it's the problem with guys like Hornquist whose possession numbers and ability to suppress shots isn't great at times, but was putting up points. And it's always five-on-five points are always the thing that they're going to sort of judge Hornquist on because you're on the ice more at five-on-five, and if he's not producing there, he's probably always going to get points on the power play because of the skill that's around him and the skill set he has. he has lately there either. No, well... Put Gensel up there. It's always been our argument. Well, they've both been there because Gino's been out. And, you know, it hasn't really worked without Gino. Yeah, funny that. Funny it doesn't look as good. Yeah. Just like when it doesn't look as good when the Tang's not out there either. Um, it's, it's yeah, just to have him... You always want to get rewarded with points, but to have him be rewarded with achieving what the team wants out of him you know, I don't think would be lost on a player that's 32 years old and understands what the game's about. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can... These people are humans. They're not robots. You do have to feel good about your game going into the playoffs to feel like you can contribute. And having this kind of end to the year is probably not a bad thing for Hornquist. I, th- I think they should be feeling good about their play. They should. You know, the loss against Nashville didn't help their chances getting the home ice advantage against... The no, and I saw some people saying that the uh, Pecorino stole the game, and, and maybe because he had forty something saves. Uh, but it was the Penguins over for power play. They got fifteen shots on goal. Uh, at even strength, Nashville kicked their ass. <laughs> yeah, bad, and that's actually, and, you know, that's going to happen against a high quality team at times. And your goalie's going to bail you out or not because the other team just snipes it. So. You know, I did see the the first goal that got past um, Murray. It's a good tip. <laughs> you, you just you pray that just gets tipped into you. You're not really going to save that sort of a goal. So, um, yeah, you're going to lose some. You are. You just hope that you don't lose four of them in the space of seven out, games. Out of, out of seven. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's that's all you can. It's the thing with this. It's the thing with this league. It's bounces that can win you a game one nil. And you walk, you're watching the rest of the playoffs from home in a game seven. So, it's it's a tough process. You you can't complain with the way Murray's playing at all. Um, he's had a complete turnaround. We've mentioned it in the last probably four or five podcasts how good he's been. Um, they need Latang back, and the old whipping boy just needs to leave the lineup. But it's not going to happen. That's the reality of it. They're just going to deliberately shoot themselves in the foot. And there's not much you can do about it. <laughs> did, did you want to go there? I feel like it, there's some things that need to be said. Go for it. Go it's, for it. It's a horse that... Go for it. This this horse's poor flesh has just been smushed all over the grass. I don't think there's any flesh left, dude. We are now down to grinding bones. That's where we're at with this. This horse has a lot of comminuted fractures. <laughs> the, the, the crushing bone fractures from all the, the fucking... Swipes we've taken at it with a bat. Um, but here we go. Sorry, horsey. Um, so I was looking at um, Corsica's back up again. Oh, the guys have got it. Okay. No, but um, so thanks to uh, Manny for creating it and maintaining it all these years, but in a, an announcement the last few days, uh, he is no longer has anything to do with it. 
and it's going to is it Live Nation or I think so. The, the Nation. Um, I'll I'll figure that out before the end of the podcast to give proper credit, but they are um, they are the ones running it now. So um, certain features I, I really love about Natural Stat Trick. Um, one feature that I really liked with Corsica was the ability to look up uh, D pairings. And um, let's just say the Justin Schultz-Jack Johnson pairing is not flattering. It is a bottom 10 pairing in the league among uh, pairings that have 300 minutes. Why'd I use 300 minutes? They're at 329. You so, know, Schultz, <clears throat> Schultz was out for a lot of the year, but... Jack Johnson is above and beyond Schultz's most common defense partner. It's not even close. So the thing, the thing I have with this is that it's not like the other two pairs are so outlandishly awesome that you go, we don't want to touch the other guys because they're just unreal. So we'll just keep this pair together and we'll just shelter them out of the game. That's it, not how they're being used. And, you know, with Latang out, as far as I'm concerned, everything's a coin flip until he comes back. You just mishmash everyone around and, and see who works and who doesn't. And quite clearly in this 329 minutes worth of hockey, this pair has not been great. Bottom 10 possession, bottom 20 expected goals for. It's one of the worst pairings in the league. Um, one of the other worst pairings that I saw was uh, poor old Erica Branson's name was in there with Ben Hutton. He was like bottom two. Now, the hard thing with that is you noticed an interesting trend with Good Branson as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, which I don't want to overreact to that trend I'll bring up, but it also it, it's Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Absolutely. Um, so out of 117 defensemen who have played in 1,000 minutes, so guys that have played a ton this year, you know, Jack Johnson, 0.29 points per 60 at even strength, is 116th. So I remember some people trying to break their back saying, oh, he can bring offense, uh, falling into that third overall pick nonsense fantasy that he can actually make plays. So he's 116th among defensemen that play a shit ton out of 117. And the problem there, I looked at his more foremost common forwards. Phil Kessel, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, and Jake Gensel. Now, <clears throat> what are you of, even doing out there? Of those four, though, the two You can't that get have... accidental secondary assists. Like, what the fuck is going on? The, the two out of all of those that have struggled the most all year are Gino and Kessel. And he's played more minutes with those two than he has with the other pair. Um, well, you... Yes, when when Gino was healthy, yes. Yeah, right. And, and so because Phil actually has played the most with him now, and I stand by what I said. I think that proves yeah, my point I mean, even more. Yeah. Now, with Gino out, I noticed that Sid has been getting a little bit more time with Jack Johnson the last four games, and wouldn't you know it? I think Sid doesn't have any even strength points the last four games. Yeah. It is, it is funny when you have to use your offensive stars to uh, shelter your your defensive players. It's, it's like, it's just, it's amazing. Now, the thing that I find really weird, not weird, but the thing that I find amazing about this is that 
Tortorella was had had enough and sat him through the playoffs because he just wasn't providing anything. And then you go, yeah, cool, we'll bring him on board and he'll be a completely different guy. It's like if he couldn't, if Jack Johnson's style of hockey wasn't good enough for Tortorella and what Tortorella likes in a hockey player. Yeah, like that should he should be all Columbus. That's Columbus hockey. Like if he actually lived up to his uh, platitudes, people give him. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't. And, and I, I think the thing that frustrates me though is that it's quite clear that he's at the moment he's the, you know, the block of concrete around the team's ankles. If he's it, so bad, <clears throat> it's beyond. It's comical. I love bringing up how bad he is all the time because I know it bothers people, and I don't. Yeah, think... I've I've noticed that it bothers people. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because it doesn't mean it's obvious wrong. and it's, and when you want to win a Stanley cup, you cannot have a guy dragging back this hard. If you're going to go up against teams like Washington and Tampa or Boston or even Toronto, you it's... cannot intentionally hold yourself back like this. And you know, my stat that I just gave was offensive related well, bad news. Guess what? 63.55 shot attempts for every hour Jack Johnson's on the ice against the Penguins. That is 108th out of the 117 defensemen who have played 1,000 minutes. He's not creating offense. He's not suppressing shots. Um, that first pass breakout stuff that we heard about, that ain't happening. Because if it was, we'd have either more points, secondary assists, like, if you hit Evgeny Malkin in the neutral zone with speed, you're going to get some assists for basically doing nothing. He can't even do that. Yeah. The the thing, when you get to the last four teams in the conference, it's the fringes that make the difference. It's the players that play out of their skin for a series that change the series decision that you go, oh, didn't expect him to get four points in seven games. No wonder they won. It's players like Jack Johnson that do the reverse of that for you. It's the guy that gets burnt to the outside every time he's on the ice that the coach suddenly has to cut his ice time back, and and usually they do that in pairs, so that would mean we get less Justin Schultz on the ice. Schultz, I I, want to say that he probably could be playing a little better in his own merit. Oh, absolutely. Let's take the shackles off and see if it's a Justin Schultz problem, because right now... Until I, unless I see him with somebody else, the Jack Johnson sample speaks for itself. Thirteen years of this speaks for itself. Now the thing um, is, they got Marta back as well. He gives them a little bit more depth. It's just a question of what version of Ollie have we got. <laughs> so here's what's interesting about Marta being back. They put him with Dumoulin, which is strange, or not strange because. Or, I guess it would be predictable. They're not going to touch the Pedersen-Gabranson or the Johnson-Schultz pairing. So that's where you are left. That, where yeah. does that leave Mata? Maybe on the outside looking in, uh, or Pedersen. Those are the only two options. Okay. Because if they wanted to test the waters before Latang got back, they would have either put Dumoulin with Schultz or Mata with Schultz, and they didn't do that. Yeah, I I don't know. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, it's... I think Mata Latang, Dumoulin Schultz is the way to go. At least to try it. 
I know coaches get paid to be coaches, but there are times where I think they're just stubborn. And we discussed this with the Babcock thing last week. So they all have to have a self-belief in what they do is the right way to go about it to a point. But I can't... I, I don't understand the... Well, the Jack Johnson's easy to understand. It's They don't want egg on their face less than not even getting through to the end of the season year? Yeah. and already admitting the five-year contract's a real piece of shit, but which is we that, knew on July 1. Is that worth costing your team a chance? Like, do, do you know what I mean? It's No, it's not, but how else do you justify his existence in the lineup? Yes, but you get to the playoffs and you start seeing, you start seeing the numbers pile up in, in one direction in the playoffs, and what do you do? You, you get to desperation point. At some point, you have to pull the pin like do you get what i'm saying that's the bit that i don't get um yeah it's it's maddening it's um absolutely it's maddening it's not fun to watch and i think it's holding a lot of the players back and for those that want to see that that team the penguins win um i don't know how you ignore it yeah it's frustrating to talk about because it's really frustrating hmm and it sucks to hear about it all the time because he's in the lineup every time, playing big minutes. Yeah, two big um, minutes. So the other thing you you referenced, um, you know, I don't want to beat this guy up too much because he had a stretch of eight or nine games that was really good. Um, I was impressed um, to see Good Branson come to Pittsburgh and be on such the positive side of the the, the Corsi stuff. Um, last three games, though, 45.16%, 37.14%, and the Predators game, 42.86%. Now, it's three games, small sample, but the other eight or nine games, also what I would consider a small sample. The 450-ish games, not so small of a sample, um... We'll have to see where this goes. It's just, it's tough considering the time of year that it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that you're trying um, to work this out. That's the difficulty of it. In, and, I, and I don't want to diminish those eight or nine games because, you know, I think both of us did not like the trade. I still don't like the trade. Um, you have uh, preconceived biases coming in, so you, oh, Branson sucks. Let's look. For, let me look at all the things and why he would suck. And, um, you know, in those games, I don't think they were really there. No. They were fine games. Um, but lately, the last three, um, it's trending back in a direction that... Is expected? You know, ...was the norm for much of his career. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, here's the here's here's how you make, get the most out of him, and, and get it more like the eight or nine games. You, you put him on the bottom pairing with Pedersen, and you shelter that pairing. However, this is tied with the discussion we just had. Yep. You can only really shelter one pairing. Who's it going to be? Well, if Jack Johnson's one of the defensemen, it has to be that one. Yeah. So now you're elevating Good Branson. Unless, of course, you put both of them together, but, boy, that would be something. Oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're asking for a gift from the hockey guys that they don't get torched. Um, 
but you you say shelter and usage you can really only baby one of the pairings so which is it going to be i my guess is they'll keep babying the the good branson Pedersen one or good branson mata whatever that one is and they're going to let schultz and johnson rot dumoulin letang is going to be great because that's a known commodity why would there's no reason to believe otherwise i don't i don't think i'd be so frustrated with this if they were short of options you know what i mean like if they didn't have if you know too many players were injured um or they just screwed up their salary cap and only had five defensemen available all that kind of stuff right i would have i I'd get there and go you've just got to play him he's just got to be out there pairing with the best available guy to, to drag down but not destroy it and justin schultz would would be you know in that category but the fact that they have options and they've not tried to find out what they've got through the entire year no they've they've the the way sullivan or, or martin have done with it's a little bit of negligence yeah it's it's it just drives me bonkers a little bit. You've got 82 games to work out what your most uh, efficient roster is to get the best possible output for the playoffs. For 82 games, you've got that amount of time to, to go through it. Your team goes through ebbs and flows, highs and lows, and they've not they've not done that. And I don't know whether it was because that 10-game losing streak that they had put the the fear of God up their ass or something. I don't know what it is, but they almost went, oh, this is a lineup that works. We're just going to sort of stick with it and run with it. And Jack Johnson's not a part of your best 20. Anything. Your best 20 to, to win a Stanley Cup. And um, I would like to be proven wrong in, in the playoffs and it, he doesn't get torched too often and all those sorts of things, but I don't like my chances of that being the case. I could see him taking stupid physical penalties as the intensity ramps up. Yeah, but I could see that with Latang too. So well, that, you know, Latang's going to do actually good things to offset it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Um, so there's there's that whole yes. part of it. So the the rampant intensity and craziness thing is certainly not uh, just a Jack Johnson thing. It's just terrifying when it's Latang because you don't know whether he's going to either get himself tossed or injured. Yeah, which he did against the Flyers. Yeah. And All right, then... I gotta go. I gotta get myself ready for work. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was gonna say a quick thing on the Masterton, but yeah, go for it. No, no, go for it. It'll take five minutes. That'll be fine. They put up. They put up Matt Cullen. Whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations on your perseverance to be forty-two and still get six-figure paycheck for being below replacement level. Um, this is not a knock on Matt Cook. It is a knock more so on the award. Um, I lost interest in this award the year that Chris Letang was a finalist because he came back from a stroke. And Devin Dubnik won because he left Edmonton and Arizona and stopped being <laughs> a shitty goalie and played really good on an average team. Yeah, it's interesting. I thought it was perseverance against adversity. You know, I... and that that's fucked up that Chris Letang lost when he had a stroke. Um, <laughs> and then the nominations, like even Pittsburgh, the the nominees that they've put up over every team has to put one up. Maybe it's time to maybe not do that. 
Yeah. Like, Matt Cullen should not be nominated for this award. Matt Murray would be more deserving of it. Coming back from injury and father dying and playing at a high level. I think he would be a better candidate. And there's already um, precedent for that when um, Dubnik stopped playing like shit (laughs) and started playing better. (laughs) And he didn't even have to deal with losing a parent, at least that I know of. Look at, look at it in the sense of um, Cullen's an easy one to give. You know, he's quite clear. I know, he's quite I know clearly, what it, again. I, know, I know you know, but you, you, you sit there, it's, it's a league that doesn't like to rock the boat, and you just sit there and go, whatever. Like you said, whatever. Yeah, I actually, but here's some other quick, fine examples of nominees. Marc-Andre Fleury. Wow, way to persevere at $5.75 million because a younger, better goalie took your job. Yeah. Great. You still showed up to work, and it played, he did play great against the, the, the Capitals. They don't win that cup without him. But nope. Like, it's, uh, Matt Cook, here we're going to nominate you because you didn't fucking literally kill somebody on the ice this year. That's a bad one. Hey, Mike Harrington, formerly of the Buffalo News, let's put up Ryan O'Reilly. Boy, you really came back from driving drunk through that Tim Hortons and, and, and leaving the scene of the accident. Jesus Christ, you've got these locked and loaded, man. I know, because I don't like this award anymore. (laughs) I don't like the the nomination process. Um, I think the spirit of the award is proper and good, but I think that we've lost the plot. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. The examples you've just provided, you're not wrong. So, yep, we'll end there. Excellent. Good luck, Matt Cullen. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think robin laner should win it um overcoming now he would be the same thing as devin dubnik leaving a shitty team buffalo going to a average team and and playing really well but now uh, there's an asterisk on this there's an asterisk going on going through the mental illness awareness and having the courage to tell his story and overcoming that stuff like that that's a worthy winner yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I think if he doesn't win, they should just fucking melt that trophy down. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, all right, we'll get you to work. I got to get going, too. Um, you know, by the time you guys listen to this, the Carolina game's probably been played. But, um, yeah, it's a big one. We'll see We'll see what happens there. So, um, we will uh, We'll see you next time. Bye.